Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Daniel Zuckerberg and, and Julie Ng. We, we, we talk about the science of magic. I know it sounds kind of crazy and for some maybe even uh, a little ludicrous and, and, and maybe even a bit a bit corny, but, but it's really quite a fascinating doc. Uh, it's on uh, CBC. You can check it out there uh, by looking uh, online or following the link in the, in the bio on Rabble or the face-to-face page. We talk about... Uh, problems of perception we talk about subverting reality and about about these ideas of free will and you're going to see how magic is used as as a paradigm as a way of approaching uh, th- something like uh, that it, that Daniel talks a great deal about called change blindness like I said we talk about free choice and and free will in not only in the film but in how it relates to the average and the everyday and Julie and Daniel are both magicians uh, Julie appears in the film and we talk about things like perceptual influence and and also um, we kind of wind up on humility and hope how wonderful is that so uh, stay tuned uh, for a, a wonderful and fun interview uh, with one returning guest Daniel Zuckerbrot a filmmaker uh, here in uh, Toronto and a magician uh, out of Toronto with an organization called Magicana uh, Julie Ang talking about the science of magic coming right up don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and speaking and face-to-facelive.ca for more interviews there about uh, pretty much everything and um, if you want to support the work I'm doing you can do that through Patreon as well check it out online coming right up Daniel Zuckerberg, Julie Yang the science of magic well welcome to face to face we're joined by a couple of very special guests here today friends of mine actually magicians uh we've got a filmmaker we've got a photographer here sitting with us <laughs> julie yang and daniel zirk brought here to talk about uh their new film the science of magic daniel is a co-director uh with his wife donna a real family production i think and we're probably going to hear a yeah, little bit more about that but thank you both for for joining me today pleasure you bet. So, so the science of magic 
The science. Really? Is, yeah. Well, it's a bit misleading, isn't it? A, a bit misleading. Right? Because it's, you know, you hear that you think it's going to be about the science behind the magic trick, mm -hmm. how the magic trick works or something. No revealing. No revealing. That's too bad. Some people have complained. I mean, we kind of reveal things. I think it's more... You, you teach a trick or... Or two. Or two. Sort of. Trick and sort a half. Of. Well, it makes, and it makes me wonder, actually, I mean, did you really teach the trick? I mean, isn't this all about that whole, it's about perception, and it's about change blindness, and about... Uh, about uh, various kinds of blindness. Various kinds of blindness, frankly, and making assumptions. I mean, that's, that's kind of the stuff I started to peel back. Of course, it's a beautiful, it's a great film, by the way, and okay. congratulations. And it was so much fun to watch you, Julie, in the film. Thank you. And uh, I think my favorite part, though, of the film is David Ben assisting you. <laughs> Um, you know, that was on our, that and was captured on camera. That's for one, for yes. those in the know. Right? Yes, that's, that's right. That's joke. a little insider's joke, folks. But uh, but so 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 is there a science uh, of magic? I mean, is it, or is it kind of was that part of the draw? This this well, aired on CBC I, and still is airing on CBC, right? Just that's to be clear, right. it's in Canada. It's available on their website, nice. on the Nature of Things website, anytime. Mm -hmm. But it's, there is, in the sense that what we have, what the film focuses on, is scientists who are inviting magicians like Yang Ms. Ng into their labs in order to draw on the practical knowledge that magicians have about deception, about per, how to fool the perception, how to fool the attention, in order to design new kinds of experiments to study consciousness, cognition, Human behavior, yeah, and attention, and and how it, how I guess what magicians, what magicians use, I guess naturally or intuitively, they're breaking it down and scientifically applying those practices to discern how is it that we really think and and observe the world, and it's funny when I'm watching it all unfold, I'm like, wow, it's almost like a big, you know charade in many ways thinking about one of the experiments in in uh, montreal and and setting it up like a show and right. really establishing the parameters and it's you know like in the old con days of setting up it something. It's, 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 a, a it's very con. much a long con yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely i mean the shots of walking through the hallways yeah. and through the back door and the implications of all that but, just are fa fabulous well, you right can imagine as, as, yeah as, as but hey, film, you must have had so much thinks fun like a filmmaker and as a filmmaker yourself, you you could imagine what in, went into that. You know, as soon as we heard about the experiment, <laughs> I know what this is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. So, so is this the kind of um, film that you build around something like that? The idea is, hey, wouldn't it be great to do an experiment like that? And then you you tease it out and you say, you know what? Or 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 is it way more intentional than that? Yeah, no. It's it's it's. We start at the other end. I mean, you know, I have a. a, a very long in, uh, interest in filmmaking and an even longer interest in, in magic. And Donna, you know, was doing magic shows as a kid in high school. And <laughs> she probably watches more magic than I do. And she loves it too. She loves it. Nice, She's yeah. a huge fan. And, um, you know, and we, te we make a lot of science docs. So we've had our eye on these guys who are doing, all over the world, scientists who are using magic as a, an experimental modality. And it's something that began in psychology, certainly in the 1900s. You know, you find papers from, I'm sorry, from the 19th century, but in the 1800s you find papers, occasionally, famous uh, psychologists at the time, like Jastro and people like that, studying, you know, what happens when a magician makes a ball disappear. Right. right? And 
Now, say he writes a paper, somebody else writes a paper 10 years later, 30 years later, there's another paper. Suddenly, a few years ago, you start to get paper after paper all over the world, from Japan to England, Canada, of scientists using magic to study consciousness. So, um, you know, we've had our eye on it. And, and when it was seemed that there was a lot of work going on, mm -hmm. and a lot of it in Canada. Yes, it was, that was interesting. Yeah. And then having that first science of and magicians association, this idea of the two, di, you know, two opposites mm -hmm. coming together they, in a they, conference. They seem to be opposites, right? Yeah. Seemingly yeah, opposite, yeah. yeah. And that was what was interesting. Is that a lot of su surprisingly to me is that a lot of the individuals involved with the experiments were also, you know, longtime magic enthusiasts. Yeah. Right. And it's it was that twinkle that I saw that was interesting inside of them so explaining the, their is experiments. That, Julie, is that the scientists you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. Many of them were magicians before they were scientists. Well, that's that's the question, right? right. Were they sure. magicians first? Not scientists? all of them. Not all of no, them. Not all right. of them. No, but you can see, and I guess it's really you know I've grown up in this world of magic, so when you, it's like a trait. It's a gene. I can see it. Right. Right. But I can see it. And, well, and I wonder to what degree is the the problem solver the connection there. Right, the problem solver between the, and the and or the wonder of of, of puzzles or, of puzzles or solutions. Of, you know, they're looking for answers, yeah. um, method methods, and it's interesting actually. And they're very charming, I think, in that whole realm because they want to. I think they want to kind of share magic too, but they weren't interested in exposing it, which was nice. You know, right. when when remember less, even the less than you or or <laughs> our professional magician. Well, hey, Funny. I had to teach the trick, right? No, no, I mean in the sense that they, you know. I think professional magicians, you know, I, I'm being concerned about exposure tends to be an amateur concern. Sure. Right? Professionals yes, exactly. have a different kind of concern. Partly because they know that if they can tell you a method and then fool you two minutes later, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's not, there aren't those kinds of secrets or those right. aren't the primary things. And but that's these guys are, secret, yeah. we're, we're very secretive. So, so much so that Jay Olson in Montreal. We did that experiment that you were yes, mentioning yes. with the MRI machine. The yes, yes. The long <laughs> con. He, um, even when they publish it in scientific journals, he wouldn't reveal they the won't method. reveal it. They say there is a method. We use a magician's trick to do this. If you want more information, you know, if you want to replicate the experiment, contact me. Wow, fascinating. Uh, he doesn't tell his colleagues. Isn't how that they interesting? No, his call the the operator who was assisting him, who is from the science department, still doesn't know how it works. And he's been helping him with those experiments for the for the duration of his entire paper and studies. So. Yeah, so that's fascinating to me. I mean, just in that alone, the 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 the, the insights sort of into deception and and how far you're willing to go in order to. He was a little intense with his deception. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. He's he, a great. Yeah. But, but he he represents what extreme they were he's, all he was, out, he was, out. Yeah. Yes, but he was really interested in seeing the entire experiment start to finish in this realm of, okay, if we're going to bring them into this world, we really want to bring them into this world. And right. he was committed to that, right. which is right. admirable because he wanted to prove that the experiment had, you know, it was interesting. It was the face-to-face -face stuff that worked very well for him in his experiment. When they put it on the computer, 
it's just not the same. There is this human dynamic right. that makes right. a big part of it. And yeah, of course, of in magic, of course, that's yeah. what we rely on. Yeah, yeah, the magic, magic on TV versus magic face to face. I mean, there's no comparison, exactly. really, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it's and most people never get to know that. Of course. Right, right, right. I, it's still to this day, after so many years, I'm surprised by how many people. Oh, I've never, I've never seen a magician. Or before, they see like right? a birthday or, magician, right, you know, or right, different or Uncle Bob. Somebody on the street. Uncle Bob yeah. used to yeah. pull pennies out of my ear. Yeah, everybody <laughs> does a card trick. Right. Uh, Jay Olson, I think, said something about um, insights into free will. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, doing some of these experiments. Do you think that's a bit of a stretch, oh, or no. do you think that there's no? And I think that I mean Gustav Kuhn, also in England, who who sort of started the society, the Science of Magic Association, who's a, at uh, Goldsmiths at the University of London, um, is very very much sort of drilling down to that issue. I mean, you know, many of these experiments put in doubt the degree of our free will, or it certainly seems that, like in Jay's experiments, yes. that, you know, and he starts off with something simple, like having someone pick a card, and we have that wonderful scene of, of Julie and him out in the streets in Montreal, having people select cards, right. right, and everybody's ending up with the same card, and, and everybody who's being asked, you know, do they have a free choice, says yes, they had a free choice, but we know that the magicians are nudging their choices along in a certain direction. So how did they do it? Well, again, how can you, how can you possibly a, control a choice, right? But, but, if it's... but you have a million ways to do it, <laughs> right? In fact, you weren't doing it the same way Jay was, right? No, and I think that was what was interesting, is originally when we did that, Jay had a very specific way of doing mm -hmm. it to match his experiment. Mm -hmm. and, and he was true to his experiment, which was terrific. And I was asked to see if I could replicate it, but using my way of doing it. And, and it worked out really interestingly because the best thing for me was the camera guys who were watching Jay do it his way and watching me do it my way. And we must have done, you know, a couple dozen each, right? Right. Look, back yeah. to back. Right. They're right. looking at me and they're like, well, I can work out how his is working, but I don't know how is hers. Like, because I offered the cards, right? Right. How is it that the ten of hearts keeps coming up? that and yeah. it was yeah. it was interesting that the sound guy innocently said that having not been exposed like mike was to to some of the experiments right. and yeah. i thought well, well that's nice well you know see. what's cool too about that for me is about assumption and we all remember and maybe the listeners don't but the mass magician and how mm -hmm. some people in the community were so outraged by this mm -hmm. um, guy who was exposing things but my question always was why do you assume he's telling you the right answer yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's deeply troubling to me <laughs> there's something yeah. Forget who was a mass magician. In fact, I left my mask at home. But you know what I mean? But this actually came up in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, because of the um, Amory Danik, who was uh, at the time in Chicago studying um, insight, problem solving, and insight, you know, where we suddenly the get. The aha moment. That's right. right. Yep. And, and um, one of the things that that in, the, in her field was a contentious issue that, that people didn't know about mm -hmm. was, uh, was whether there could be false insights. So if you're studying right. this problem, suddenly you have an insight in how sure. it works, and you're, you know, that insight's usually, or one of the characteristics is it's accompanied by this emotional sure. thing, yep. and yep. You know, maybe you laugh, but you see right to the heart of the problem, you know the answer, and one swoop. So many psychologists felt that that meant you had the right answer. So it was difficult to construct experiments to, to sort of narrow that down. 
And she says, you know, one of the great things about using magic as a paradigm is that you, it's the co most common thing for people to come up with false insights. Yes. So she shows them these, these magic tricks and asks them to come up with solutions. And often they believe they've come up with the correct solution. And the solutions are some, you know, we didn't include this in the film, but because it was too long a thing, but she was explaining some of the solutions, the kinds of solutions. Yeah. So for example, uh, Thomas Fraps, the magician who did the videos for mm -hmm. her of the tricks, put salt and pepper in his hand, mixed them together, and then waves his hand over, and the... Salt's the, on one side, the pepper's the, on the other? One has vanished in this case, right? Okay. So the pepper's vanished. Fun. And she, she said, people would say things like, well, he has one of those little vacuum cleaners up his <laughs> arm. Up his sleeve. I've got one of those, And yeah. she said, well, first off, what's one of those little vacuum <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Exactly. How do you and, still it? and does Dyson make it? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's it. But what a great idea. You know, and that that in itself is kind of the fun in performing magic cuz having people make false assumptions sure, all the time sure, when you're course. performing. Yes. The legend grows too, right? On these assumptions as well, which is always fun. It's in the retelling. Yeah. And and part of it is you don't want to do another trick because how can many times can you walk on water, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's an analytical mind that is un, is in, um, in in distress if they can't come up with a solution, a reason, an answer, and they're seeking for this insight. They want this moment of I need to know, and it and it frustrates people mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. But then when they surrender to the idea that well, then I just don't know. It's going to be one of those mysteries. It's funny that's enough to resolve oftentimes, so they don't feel challenged. Right. With, and I don't know that. Certainly, mm -hmm. there's there are there are types. There is a type of person who enjoys magic, who laughs when they're fooled, who loves that sense of wonder. And I don't, I don't want to know how it's done, people right. will yeah. say, right? right. Don't, even, don't even tell me, That's kind right. of, before and, you... And there are others who really do feel that challenge, who really... And I want to talk about that a little bit, because that's what I started to think about, because not everyone just relaxes and goes, isn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm. right? No, it's true, Some like, uh, that really pisses me off, actually, <laughs> right? And they'll go and they'll re I have a friend who I've, I, uh, I'll get a call from, and I'm sure I've spoken about it before in other contexts, and maybe even on my podcast, but he will call me and he said, okay, I've, I've just watched this thing three times in a row, and I, and I, and I still, I can't, I can't figure it out. And, and you can hear the, the tone. The frustration. Oh, the frustration. <laughs> and, and he knows enough about magic to be in sleight of hand to be dangerous, sort of, and he, no interest in performing, mm -hmm. no interest in the history, really. Mm -hmm. It's just, I need to know. And on one hand, I go, okay, I applaud that. That's maybe scientific inquiry, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I don't know. Is it ego? Where, where, where do you go with that, it, those folks who don't like magic? Yeah, I think there's a spectrum, don't you? For sure, absolutely. And it's, it's in a range of, my belief is that it's how they were impacted the first time. Oh, were you the, embarrassed? Were you were you right. conned? Were you taken? Like, what was the experience? See, for me, it's experiential. That's why it was very interesting working with uh, Daniel and Donna and these scientists and watching it unfold in front of me because it's a whole other experiment. And just as Jay describes, the moment you put this in as, oh, it's an experiment, they're now in context. It changes the dynamic. Right. We should probably step back and explain that a little bit. Yeah, sure, sure, for go. The, for the listener. Cause, yeah. So Julie was, came, came with us to Montreal and participated with Jay in these experiments that started off simply by having people choose cards and and forcing their choices in a certain direction. And, um, and, and because Jay's interested in 
this question of free choice uh, or free will or um, or not free will. Or not free will. Yeah. I was just trying to think of the, the term they use. It's uh, not free will, De but anyway, that idea. Determinism. You know, it's a, it's a psychological yeah. Oh, a psychological term. Anyway, um, so what makes us, what happens when we feel we have free choice, like when Julie offers the card, and we don't, but we feel we do. Right, right. And Jay was interested in exploring also the opposite, which is what happens when I f really do have free choice, but my sense of that is taken from me. And that's very hard to set up experimentally. So you have agency. Hmm. Agency, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And so how do you set up a situation where a pre person feels they've lost agency, that they're no longer right, able right. to Well, you've choose. just been sold something then, right? And and maybe not even something that you really wanted to buy. That's right. Place, <laughs> we, have, right? we all have that experience. So, yes. so maybe yes. that's... How do, you, how do you set that yeah, up in a lab? Yeah. Yeah, you, how do right. you quantify that? How do you run that experiment over and, and he, over? And he created a very interesting experiment where the reverse happens, where people believed they had um, been given a choice, given yeah, an option. You should explain the, what it looks like, what happened. Yeah, I mean, people go in and they're, they, they, they are brought in to a science lab. They see this huge MRI machine. It's big and imposing. It's in a dark room. You lay down on it, and the, they push the subject in. It's all very spooky. Like an MRI. It's a, and it's it's <laughs> it a is very an MRI. it's brought, an imposing. Run in through the hospital corridor. Yeah, and the the ideological <laughs> implications, man. You know. Yeah. And it's like well. And it's in the neurological institute. Is inside the Montreal the neurological, Montreal neurological yeah. institute. Miguel, Miguel, was it? Yeah. Montreal. Montreal. Montreal neurological institute. And the idea was Jay then said to the subjects, we're going to switch on this machine and we're going to have the machine send you some thoughts. The machine. <laughs> right, and his whole theory of how it works, right? How the, the MRI, you know, can, can um, image right. the, the magnetic fields or the electroactivity. So we're going to reverse it and it's able, we've been able to design it now to manipulate yeah. The, the electromagnetic yeah. activity in your brain to provide you with an impression of you know something we want to send to you but we can't tell you what that is so you know mm -hmm. we want to make sure we don't spoil your your thoughts on this so we don't want to influence you in any way and that's a classic magician's ploy mm -hmm. <laughs> and sure enough for the ones that I was present for it was great because all of the theatrics that go into planting the idea, which is not possible, mm -hmm. although I just saw on Google. So it's, it's, it's becoming possible, <laughs> but it's still not possible to plant numbers the way they... Specific numbers. And people then reported very specific experiences of a buzzing, a feeling, right, right. A something a physiological. Wanting to sure. choose 41, but it wouldn't come out of their mouth. They, they were yep. forced to say yep. 92. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really remarkable. And these are all, it w was revealed to the subjects, is, this is a free choice. It's whatever it's number you want. It's fascinating, too. I think you show, you know, the, the facial expressions on a couple in oh, particular. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. I'm sure you had lots, but uh, the, the, the stunned look. What and do you mean this isn't real? That, that's kind or of wasn't real. Well, or that I was fooled. That I, I was, was fooled. Duped. Yeah, I was and duped. Yeah, sure. that for me, in, in a magic point of view, 
is not what I'm after. No, right. No, <laughs> right. this is right. a magic trick. Because right. I think that does precipitate that feeling of people saying, well, I don't like magic. You know, yeah. you, you guys want, because my experience now is that you go out there and your job is to fool me or you're, yep. you're there to, to try and get me or yeah, con me. belittle me. me and... Or, or inf- to make me look stupid, basically. You know, it's, and, it's, and it's an interesting problem. Right. Well, and for I, Jay, I think... though, it's, you know, well, that, they won't end up disliking magic. They end up just like psychology. That's right. <laughs> no, that's not right. even that. Yeah, not even that. Funny. I think yeah. what was interesting for me that the learn the takeaway I actually came up with was, you know, it's interesting because as an experiment, they saw it as an interesting outcome. Right. They did. They don't. I don't believe they necessarily felt duped. And, and Jay addresses this. In, right. In, they go through this big debriefing. He's very oh, concerned that okay. they not sure, feel sure. taken advantage of, or uh, you know. So in a true con, he really did do the close. <laughs> Well, philosophically, for I mean, I don't know about psychologically, but philosophically, it raises some pretty interesting questions, right? About assumptions and about certainty and about ideology and about about power well, and I about think... just the walking in of the architecture. And whoa, I'm in a hospital. I'm in the neurological institute. Don't you know the assumptions that have already been made about the yes. test that's going to happen in 20 minutes? Right. That's not even a test. And they have, like, you know, you come fascinating. In magazines Love it. Lying in the waiting room. They make you wait, of course. There's no reason to wait, but they make you wait. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And there's magazines with articles about mind reading MRIs and <laughs> of you know, course. the latest. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. And that's what I, I found interesting about the level of detail to the theatrics of la- what Jay specifically describes as the layering of yes. the theatrics. He says yes. it has to feel completely real. And he can sure. you can sure. see right down to the detail. I mean, this is where you applaud him as from the theatrical point of view. He's thought of it. They don't just walk in. They walk into this. They specifically go by the morgue. You want to say that this is a really dark and scary and it's and it's a big deal you're dealing with real machinery with real possibilities and outcomes modern modern science don't you know that's right and so this is a real mri it's not an mri that functions it's a non-functioning right right Right. he got a call they had a fake mri before and he got a call at some point from the neurological institute and they said hey you know anybody who has (laughs) used for a A broken broken mri yeah, I can't wait to I see do. this done on stage. I wanna, yeah, yeah. Who's Franz Harari? Is he going to start Which doing this soon or what? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when so Plato didn't believe in the senses. I mean, he believed in the senses, but he didn't trust them. A lot of the early philosophers didn't, and still don't. Probably. Let's <laughs> just say a lot of yeah, late yeah, philosophers. That's did. right. So, so should we be believing our eyes? I mean, it's a cliche, of course. But, but at what point do you say, well, who do I trust? One or the, what do I trust? One of the great discoveries, and a real discovery that came, I mean, this, this magic has been very productive for science. So these guys, using you know, magic principles and ideas, have discovered uh, features of perception and cognition, so on, that weren't known hmm. previously. They've hmm. actually uncovered new things, or clarified things. And one right. of the things they clarified was... This you know what happens when you see so so people say the the hand is quicker than the eye and and you know as if it's the hand that the that's right yeah and one of the things they found is you know in a simple vanish of a ball they'd have the magician throw the ball apparently in the air and people would see the ball vanish and a certain percentage most people would just see the ball oh it's gone some people quite a significant proportion would report seeing the ball vanish in midair. Mm. Right, and they would describe it that way, and would quite and question when questioned would insist that they saw the ball in the air and it vanished. 
So what they did is they put these eye tracking devices on them and that can point to you know, record exactly where the eye is. And what they discovered was that the eye isn't fooled at all. <laughs> right? That the eye is actually looking where the ball is all right. the time. Right. But that's not what, you know, that seeing is more than looking. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that the, the consciousness itself and how the senses coordinate play and how the expectations work. And that, and that in itself is a really great insight into how we do perceive things. And yeah, that's what sure, we as performers sure. cannot get away with so much, but certainly take advantage of. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and play toward, you know, and there's this idea of angles and, and objects and, and do they really disappear midair? And, and your senses are fooled because we understand the world a certain way. But if you tilt mm. the world ever so slightly with a separate, a different angle, and all of a sudden you see a new perspective, and voila, you know, a ball disappears in thin air, and it's yes. it's great. It's a really great. Uh, we had fun doing that, actually. Or, or the opposite happens. Yes, we have Julie. <laughs> <laughs> we have you know throughout the film, Julie appears not only in the lab, like in Montreal, but on stage on this beautiful stage, performing that bits of magic. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so we, we see Julie vanish the ball there. But in Vancouver, uh, Ronald Runsink at UBC, who, who is a renowned perception scientist, had no interest in magic. And mm -hmm. this guy was studying uh, uh, machine vision. He was interested in, you know, making vision for, for robots and things like that. And couldn't figure out what to, to, how to solve certain problems. It wasn't, the field wasn't advancing very quickly. And... So he thought, well, I'll study human perception and I'll just port that over. We'll figure out, you know, we'll, I'll learn how human eyes work. I'll right, port that over right. to robots. <laughs> well, what he discovered is that we didn't know how human eyes were. And he spent, you know, he got another PhD in that. Wow. So, yeah. And then he ended up studying problems of perception. He, one of the things that he was, he was dedicated to was um, a joint project of MIT, Harvard, and Nissan to study uh, to study accidents, hmm. and he was interested in a class of accident which has the unbelievable name of driver looks but does not see. <laughs> and these are cases that we all know. And we've know? all so, seen in the newspaper. I've, I've, been, or, in the I've been a passenger in some of those cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> happened to me. I've been the driver. I do not hesitate to admit where, you know, I I completely missed something. Right. And luckily, nothing came of it. I, I didn't smash into anyone, or, but I easily could have. Yes. Sure. Right. So sure. these are cases where the driver, where people say people are sober, they're not distracted. There's no obvious. It's not dark. It's not rainy. That's right. and... But they ram into a building and say, "I didn't see the building." Yeah. I mean, things that seem absurd. Absurd. Yeah. And um, so he started studying this, and he discovered his paper on this that he co-authored is considered. Um, the most cited paper in modern cognitive psychology. And this is really seminal work in the field. And he discovered what he called uh, change blindness. Mm. You know, how a, a small splash of mud on the windscreen or a leaf fluttering at the side of the car could lock a person's attention in such a way that even though visually what was in front of their eye was, their eye was receiving it, the information was going to their brain, but their attention was locked in such a way that that small change obliterated the big change. Well, he did his work, he came up with his conclusions, he published his stuff, and he thought to himself, 
this must have something to do with what magicians do. <laughs> right? Magicians make things disappear that are still there and they make us not see them and they make us see things that aren't there. Like a freight train. You know, I, I should get in touch with some magicians. Funny. And, and uh, you know, that's how he got involved in, in, in magic and studying this other part of it. Right? Well, there are implications for, 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 for a lot of different disciplines. I mean, does this not maybe raise some questions about, about law? And about how law is practiced, and about reasonable doubt, and about witnesses, and, and witnesses, and all kinds of things. Informants, yeah. yeah. Well, just how about reliability, capital R, across the board? Yeah, yes. absolutely. No, it's 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 these are questions that if you take seriously, and I say this to people, you know, if you watch this film, and, you know, and you take serious, and you actually listen to what these people are saying, you watch what they're doing, you will not ever see the world the same again. I mean, these are things that undermine. Of course, our, they do. Our, do, and, and do they beliefs. undermine them as a as a filmmaker, as a well, both as mag magicians, but as a, you know, a performing magician? Do they undermine it for the sake of undermining, or is it with is is there a cause and effect here? I mean, entertainment. <laughs> you want people to be you know sharing sharing the wonder, right? right. You want to share that, and right. I get totally get that. Right. I mean, that's I think a large part of why I still do it yes. because of that moment that I remember. Sure. The first few times, and thankfully, I still feel it from time to time. But but it's not just about that, right? About undermining. It's about for the purpose of better questions, staying open, um, entertainment, and so on. Or asking questions. Yeah, or just asking questions yeah. to begin with. To be interesting. Yeah. But that that subverting mm. function, like subverting reality, subverting mm. what we believe is real, is a is a that's a really wonderful, way to put it. No, that's a really interesting. You know, it's kind of the, the, isn't it like sort of the basic, the, it's a kind of spiritual thing, right? It, it, it's a it, kind of insight into reality that, that you know, we most of... power uh, comes great responsibility. That's right, yes, yes, yes. And was it really Spider-Man who said that for the first time? <laughs> yes, yeah. I believe yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I was, it was actually, yeah. you made me think about one of the other experiments in, in Daniel's film, and it's about the power of influence where people were convinced you talk about perceptual influence in the film where right? people were actually convinced they said why but really they said you know exactly. a yeah. <laughs> right like right. it was completely the opposite uh one of the experiments proves yeah. that they were able to have people write down on a scorecard with strong opposing opinions and the experimenter was able to reverse their opinion after they had just written down the opposite. They had the individual arguing against themselves, which I thought it's like a form of double talk. Sure, sure. It was sure. remarkable. It's remarkable. Having seen a few of these guys do this double talk routine, you talk it, about the law and influence. Yeah, and was this just, I mean, the, the, the idea of delay comes out in the film for me too, and how important that is for a magician, right? Mm -hmm. And this, that, and also for a politician and for a filmmaker and so many storytellers, right? There's, we need this this latency to, to how we do what we do. And I wonder to what degree, you know, this, this, this story you're telling about the, the change, the shift so quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably layered. It's not any one thing that causes you to, mm -hmm. but I know I've been convinced of something in one moment and pretty quickly, especially as a parent, Sure. that happens. <laughs> and then you go, okay, that's just ego, right? Or, or I think the real power in this, and this, and this is another kind of blindness, they call it choice blindness. Mm, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you're blind to your own choices. Yeah. You know. So. So. And this is not um, casual choices. These are 
choices based on strong opinions. Strong opinions. Yeah. Your basic values. How do you so, feel about the budget? How do you feel about health care? Yeah. How do you feel Trump about Trump or Clinton? Yeah, it which was is one of the first one of those one of the questions. Yeah, they did, and I thought that was really interesting. That here is someone who was totally 100% for Hillary Clinton and the next thing you know that same individual was singing the praise of why we want Donald Trump in office and it's 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 remarkable to me that someone can be how can how can that possibly be right. wasn't that a great magic trick well you right right no for sure That's, that was for me that was i think the most it was fascinating mind boggling part yeah right the thing about about choice blindness and as he, as uh, Thomas Strandberg the experimenter in that case said you know, there's also choice blindness blindness. He's, mm, you know, it's like mm. everyone hearing this thinks, oh, yeah, so those people were stupid, right? They were just a little bit dense. Right, I, on the right. other hand, would not be fooled by this. And yes. he says, not only does everybody say that, but everybody's fooled by it. So, so I interviewed uh, Hobart uh, Busnest, I hope I pronounced his name right, the Norwegian filmmaker, uh, about a film that we talked about offline called Golden Dawn Girls. And this is relevant. And so we've got this right-wing, fascist, frankly Nazi movement coming out of Greece in response to everything that's going on in Greece or has been for the last, I suppose, about 10 years. You want to talk about choice and blindness and uh, inability to see the other. I mean, we can talk about the implications and the ethical implications, but how can I not convince them that the position they hold right now is probably not a good one. Well, probably not great for humanity. Strandberg's you know? <laughs> position is that what I mean, what they were very actually interested in when they yeah. did the Hillary Trump thing. This was at the first presidential debate. They were interested in seeing if they could get people with very polarized political opinions to have a more neutral, more open-minded position. Right. And they did it by, as Julie says, by switching their answers in front of them. Right. So they'd fill out a questionnaire. And it wasn't, it wasn't covert. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's very... It's very openly it's, it, done. There's a lesson for magicians. It really was. The guy just really did it. There was no big push. There was mm. no big aggression. There was no pocket mm. writing. There was, there was no, no right, secret right. move <laughs> that not... he had to do. He just basically watched what they were writing, selected the opposite or the more neutral choices, sure, sure. and then he just um, swapped them out. He really just put them on top of their yeah, answers. Yeah, no, it's, fa it's a fascinating and, moment. In and, the, it, and also the reactions are fascinating, and, right? And what, Wonderful But what and he says... And, and uh, you know, as to why it's the power of this is that it's not like arguing with someone else. You're being confronted with your own opinions. Mm. You've just mm. filled out a questionnaire, and now the person is asking you, so in question one, you, you said, said yeah. that, you know, even though you're a Trump supporter, you said you thought Hillary, uh, you know, has more uh, experience. She has, you know, she gets points for that. So, you know, why, a lot of your answers seem very open-minded. Yeah. Why do you... Well, you know, I think it's important to be open-minded, even though... <laughs> I know, it's right? just, it's and ridiculous. that effect... It was great. When it's called out, it's ridiculous, but yeah. haven't we all done yeah. it, and, right? Um, that was point. a great point that he made, that it's, it is still that everybody says, yeah, but I wouldn't get caught up. That's, That's right. That's a great point. That's right. But also yeah. that the yeah. reason it works is because you're not debating someone else. It's right. you mm -hmm. who have said these things. Point, yeah. So right. you have to yeah. accommodate right. yourself. To sure. And they found that indeed people would end up being more open-minded. Now that effect, sadly, doesn't last indefinitely. Right. But it did right. last for a while. And I have to believe, so in, in you know, because they also debrief people. They show them what they've done. Uh, you know, they, so they, they reveal it. the experiment. They reveal the experiment. Yeah. They talk to them about it. 
And I've got to believe that if an uh, intelligent person falls for that, if I can put it that way, and, and sees what happened, they can no longer think about their opinions the same way. Right? You've yeah, got to end up like being a little bit sort of open to the idea yes. that yeah. there are other perspectives. Yeah, yeah. When one of my favorite answers to people when they ask me something that they're hoping for a definitive response from me on is, well, everything comes with footnotes. That's, <laughs> that's my, my line in the last sort of five or ten years. And I'd like, I'd, 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 I'd like line. to think that, you know, and, and this is what I love about any great documentary, is it's so layered. It's about magic. It's about science. It's about assumptions and asking questions and all those things. But you know what? If I can go a little idealistic, for me, it's about humility and hope. Seriously. I mean, I mean, maybe I humbly hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, because isn't this what asking better questions is about? It's about and about the reveal and all those things and, and, and being okay with that and saying, okay, maybe we can't actually really know definitively and tomorrow we're going to have new evidence that's going to suggest another outcome and, 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 and a, a new response. Yes, and I think that's the whole point is that, and that's really how we chose to end it. It's, it's kind of in a fun way because do you really know? Did we really tell you? Right. Or, or did we right. tell you anything at all? <laughs> Yeah, the whole Who's thing. Who is the magician? That's Who right. Who is the magician in this? And and that really does resonate all the way through the film is that, you know, it was great to bring the viewer through the labyrinth because really ultimately it is how we perceive the world. It is us being in the world that is part of the the reason why it works. It's this human interaction that we have that we we desire to have that, you know, we we engage and we want to know. Some people want to have answers. Some people want wonder. You know, it, it works either way. Well, and I think, I think <laughs> another thing for me, another layer for me is there, that often there isn't just one answer. Sure. I mean, so many of these things are way more nuanced. I mean, two plus two in most mathematical systems <laughs> equals four. But you know what? We're, we're not talking about that now. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about the world. We're talking about politics and how difficult some of these things can be. It's very nuanced. It's all about delay. It's all about perception and uncertainty and deception and, and trust. And like you said, there's a certain humility when you, yeah. or, or even, you know, maybe it's arrogance. I mean, yeah, when right. you realize that right. what your brain is doing, in fact, one of our scientists says that, you know, that the takeaway is that your brain is much smarter than you think. Right. right? It's so Great smart. Brain. It's able yeah. to weave this world together sure. out of fleeting notions, literally allowing our brains to thread together and that's the the line of assumptions that you know sometimes that is to be taken advantage of and sometimes it saves us you know it, it causes us to stop and think about the whole perspective of what's what are we stepping into it, it was a so really julie fun. has this lovely line at the end <laughs> so julie appears at the beginning of the film magically of course and she disappears at the end of the film and before she disappears she's throwing throwing this hoop into the, the hoop, air yeah the, the, the cloth that's covering her and she says, you know, some, I don't remember your line, but it's like that. You, know, you are the magician. It's your brain that's weaving this together. And, and I don't know, you know, I was immersed in this story for a long time. And I still get knocked out when I see that. Mm. I, it, it's mm. it's astonishing. Cool. Yeah, that's fun. You know, that's the fun. fact that you're blind 10% of the time. Yeah. That your eyes yeah. are constantly only seeing what, fragments. What, and what I love about it from your perspective is as the filmmaker and, and as a human being and as a magician, I mean, you couldn't be more on the inside, right? <laughs> right. And yet you're still kind of, wow, this yeah, is I'm amazing. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps. That's like, honestly, I am. That's amazing. 
I think there's something really profoundly childlike about that. That that I think uh, I think we'd all do well to return to more often yeah, than great not. Great magic does that, doesn't it? It's it does. True. It and inspires, great science does yeah. that too. Yeah. Great science also do, inspires. You're do, right. Do all MRI technicians wear as nice shoes as you do, though? <laughs> is the question. Is the question. We talked about it, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to have to watch the film to find out what, pray tell, that means, that question. Thank you guys so much for joining Thank me today. You. Thank you. Uh, Thank talking you. about uh, the science of magic uh, airing. Uh, tell us, uh, it's on CBC, uh, kind of on demand for in it's perpetuity. On, is on, it there well, for... Well, they keep it up for a few years. I think. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Three years, I think. It's Excellent. on the Nature of Things CBC website. Go to the Nature of Things episodes, and you'll find Science of Magic. Just search for it if you don't see it. Wonderful talking with uh, Juliang and uh, Daniel Zuckerberg today about the science of magic. Thanks, and guys, for pack. Yes, <laughs> your special guest host here on Face to Face. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.